With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to the Mini Break, your daily podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Wednesday, June 17th. I want to start at the front by apologizing to all of you listeners. We call this a daily podcast. We do it Monday through Friday, each and every day of the week when there's tennis going on. Of course, we have Saturday and Sunday episodes as well for our Patreon subscribers. We did not have a Friday episode for you last week. We did not have a Monday or Tuesday episode for you this week. And we apologize for that. As some of you listeners may be well aware of, we had our inaugural Cracked Rackets Open this weekend, and that event was just extraordinary. Extraordinary, And I want to talk about it. I apologize for stuttering there. It was so extraordinary. I started looking back on it in my head as I was trying to get the sentence out, and I just got lost in how fun the memories were. And, you know, obviously for us, that was such a blast. It ended up being a 64-person singles draw, a 32-team doubles draw. I didn't think we had the whole 32 teams, but we had a 32-draw size. Uh, and it was a phenomenal weekend. Just for everyone out there, it was so clear how much all of us as members of the tennis community community miss being out on the courts, miss competing amongst one another for people who play tennis throughout their adolescence. So frequently, it's the people you see on the road at the tournaments week in, week out, who become some of your closest fans. Now, for me, I never had to travel enough to where I was seeing the same people so frequently at these Midwest events, but I know that some of my high school tennis teammates, I know that some of the people I played club tennis with in college are still and will forever be some of my closest friends. And so for so many of these players, I could you could just tell all weekend they were just so happy to be in that tournament environment. I know on Friday, because we were trying to play the first two rounds of matches, and it was a full 64-person size single. Singles draw, and so we had to play two matches that day. You do the math there, that's 48 matches. We had 10 courts, we had to play doubles as well during the day. Uh, things inevitably get a little bit behind. We played ad scoring, we played with lets. Third set was a 10 point tiebreaker. All these details critical for you listeners. I'm just trying to set the scene for all of you so you know what we were dealing with. But You know, Friday, I would say, like any tournament, we definitely got behind. We were probably an hour, an hour and a half behind. And we all have been at tournaments that aren't run well. And those are the worst things in the world. When there's an hour, hour and a half, two hour, two and a half hour waiting period, you're just sitting outside in that hot sun and it's 85 degrees out. There's no shade. There's no shack or benches for all of us to sit in. You're just standing around. You get stale. You get groggy. It's the worst condition to go play a tennis match in. And then as a tennis as parent, you're like, are you, you know, I'm sorry to swear, but you know, as parents, I'm sure you're thinking this in your head and not trying to say it to your kids, but you're like, are you f-ing serious right now, tournament director? I am already giving up my weekend to be at this event to watch my kid, and I'm not even going to get to do that. And so, you know, there's nothing worse than that. 
Now, with that circumstance being said, we were probably an hour behind. And it wasn't because of, you know, yes, could we have scheduled things a little bit better? I'm sure. But it was simply because of the quality of tennis, because these kids were out there grinding, because these Tarkington Park courts were slow, and that led to some really fun tennis. Um, But you know what? We had minimal parent complaints, and so I want to give a huge thank you, a huge shout-out to all of those parents, all of those players out there who, again, rather than complain, rather than, you know, have, you know, take issue with the safety and health precautions we were taking during the tournament, hey, try and do this, hey, you know, if you guys got to keep your distance, you know, you try not to slap rackets, you know, we would really appreciate instead of picking up the ball, throwing it to the other court, only use your racket to move balls that aren't on your court, all of these different precautions we were taking— uh, they were all so willing to be, uh, you know, to accommodate what we needed them to do. They were all so accommodating is the term I was looking for. And so I wanted to give a huge thank you to, again, all of the parents, players, participants, people who came out. Uh, we had a phenomenal charity event on Saturday that gave, uh, we donated, I believe, up to five, uh, right around $5,000 to Frontline Foods, which gives foods to those on the front lines fighting this coronavirus pandemic here in Indianapolis. We raised money for Riley's Hospital. Uh, we, of course, had uh, Rajiv Ram participating in an exhibition doubles match to raise money for that cause Saturday morning. It was he and Indiana Jr. Patrick Fletchall against Presley Thieneman and Ronnie Schneider, and it was a delight. And for some of you, because, you know, some of you weren't there, I think we had over 100 people. Someone said 250. I don't know if that's quite right. We might have had 250 people filtering you know, throughout the grounds, throughout the weekend. And of course, we were keeping our distances, our masks were being worn. But, you know, it was... It was just delightful to be there for an exhibition event. I think everyone was so happy to be, again, surrounding the tennis court, seeing high-level action in play, and it just led to a fantastic atmosphere. It was such a reminder of why I fell in love with the sport, why it's so delightful to be ingrained in the tennis community, to be a part of it. Of course, during that exhibition charity event, Rajiv Ram had a live mic on, Ronnie Schneider had a live mic on, and yours truly had a live mic on, and you know I poked fun at their expense. Three points in, Rajiv is just gassed. I mean, you can hear on his mic. <sighs> and so I said, hey, uh, you know, Rajiv, buddy, are uh, you all right over there? You sound a little winded. And so, you know, he starts laughing, talking about it, and, you know, he's hitting these beautiful half volleys, and I couldn't help myself and just be like, Rajiv, that is that's just so pretty, or, you know, he's got a target practice, and it's just telling, encouraging the poach, talking smack, all of these different things. Ronnie started trying to trash talk me, so I was like, Ronnie, don't do that. I watched the 2017 NCAA final, you know, that sort of stuff, and so much more. It was just such a fun event to be a part of, and so, you know, for those of you out there, if you want to participate in our next Cracked Rackets event, oh, I believe we're hosting an ITA tournament in Butler, or on Butler's campus that first weekend of July. That's going to be a bigger draw as well, so hopefully we'll get to see a lot of you out there. A couple other events in the works as well, and again, just a huge thank you to all of those parents, players, participants, people who came out this weekend for uh, making the event go so smoothly and also just be such an enjoying thing to be a part of as well. Um, I wanted to start there again because that sort of explains why we haven't had pods these past two days, but of course, just because we weren't potting doesn't mean the tennis world didn't feel the need to explode with news, and there have been so many 
details to emerge about whether professional tennis will return or not during this 2020 season and what it's going to look like moving forward that I want to cover. And I'm not going to do them all at once. There have also been, by the way, a slew of exhibition events, whether it's the Ultimate Tennis Showdown, Patrick Mortelou's event that has funky scoring, that has power-ups, that has quarters and time limits and just all of these, you know, live interviews. And, you know, there's that. There's, of course, the Adria Tour in Serbia. Not only did we get to see Djokovic, Zverev, Dimitrov dancing shirtless, doing the Macarena, doing Hokey Pokey, turning themselves around in the nightclub, uh, but we also got to see, oh, and Dominic Team. We got to see them on the tennis court as well, competing at a high level. We got to see guys like the Deuce, Dusan Lajovic, uh, Filip Krajinovic in action as well. You know, at UTS, it was guys like Berrettini, Tsitsipas, Gasquet, uh, not that he falls in that conversation anymore, but still David Goffin and, you know, so many more. And of course, there's still Grand Slam Tennis Tour events going on. And you get to see Brandon Nakashima continue to rock and roll, Ernesto Escobedo, Zach Sfida. Uh, you can go on and on and on right now because there are so many great exhibition events. Uh, but then, of course, again, the U.S. Open, the logistics behind it, what it's going to look like. We have finally learned the details. There was a big press conference today. Of course, we also saw the release of the ATP and the WTA schedules as well. Uh, but I'm going to save those last two topics, the U.S. Open logistics and what came out and the WTA ATP schedules for later on in the week on this mini break podcast because I want to have a fun guest for all of you to talk about it with. And I'm not, I don't want to just give you my rant right now on all these topics, but we are not ignorant here at Crack Dracus. This is the topic you all want to hear about. And of course, we're not going to leave you hanging. So if you want to hear my preliminary thoughts, and they have developed since I first had this conversation because I had it yesterday. It was very fresh on my mind. New details have emerged here on Wednesday to help me be better informed to give you a more uh, well-versed, I suppose, perspective, a well-informed, again, perspective on what is going on. So I want to save those conversations for later in the week, but we did already have a conversation with Gil Gross. I went on to his Monday Match Analysis YouTube show, and if any of you listeners are in the commentary, uh, in the comments on that YouTube channel, shout out to you. There's always someone who makes this joke, uh, but I laugh every time, who says, great conversation, but those caterpillars on your face between the two of you is just remarkable. He, of course, is referring to my luscious eyebrows. Gil's got a nice set on him as well, uh, but Gil and I discussed the U.S. Open, the fact that it sounds like it's all systems go, and in fact, it's not that it sounds like, and this needs to, of course, continue to be There is a lot of time between now and when the U.S. Open is scheduled to begin near the end of August, even when Cincinnati is scheduled to begin in lieu of the U.S. Open qualies in mid-August. Of course, the City Open in the mix now as well, all of these on the men's side and all of these different things. Uh, Of course, now the schedule for Europe and what that clay portion of the year is going to look like, excuse me, uh, also coming out. These are all details. Again, things I want to discuss moving forward, but Gil and I uh, discussed just the preliminary things. What is the U.S. Open going to play like? What are the rules going to look like? How is that? Those? How are those rules going to impact the field we see? And what has been the initial reaction from the many players, whether it be players ranked in the top 10, whether it be players ranked in that 50 to 100 range who certainly would get into the event and have the financial incentive to 
do so, but does it make sense for that for them from a safety and health perspective to travel to New York? And you know, same thing again. You can apply that logic to all of these players. Um, and again, there's so much time between now and then, so who knows if things will change? Um, but then you also look at the players outside of the top 100, the players in qualifying or who would have been in qualifying who have their event removed just so that uh, the USDA can play Cincinnati on the Billie Jean King Stadium grounds prior to the U.S. Open. What's their reaction? What's their thoughts? Gil and I get into all of that. We also talk about you know our, our initial reactions to the Ultimate Tennis Showdown, more so about the rules than the tennis itself, our reaction to the product. Do we think there's a place for it in you know sanctioned ATP, WTA, ITF actions, or should exhibition tennis, while there's a place for it, be separate from the sort of product we see you know week in, week out on the professional tours? It's an excellent conversation, so good that I said, hey, Gil, can we make that our GSP this week? He said, Alex, you are more than welcome to do so. And so we did. And by the way, I also give a little 20-minute rant on my preliminary thoughts on the U.S. Open as well uh, prior to that conversation. So you get a lot of talk in that GSP initially if you're looking for that sort of conversation right now. Go check that podcast out ASAP. Uh, And then again, we will have more on the schedules that have been revealed for the ATP and the WTA later on in the week. We'll have a fun guest. Might be Ben Rothenberg. I know he's got a lot of podcasts planned, so it might be, you know, it'll be him, Lucero, Weiss. Hey, uh, or maybe I'm throwing you a tease. Maybe it'll be someone different. Maybe it'll be a player. Maybe I'm trying to throw you off the scent. The point being, this is a topic that is not going anywhere, folks. And, you know, I'm sure even in our Getting to the Point episode we're doing tomorrow with our Aerobar crew, I believe our guest is Bjorn Fertangelo. Uh, inevitably, it'll come up in that conversation as well because that is the topic going around the tennis world right now. Things are rocking and rolling, folks. And so uh, I just wanted to make that pick quick point, point that out to all of you listeners. If you are looking for a conversation on that topic, go check out the Great Shot podcast, which was released just today. You can find that, of course, wherever you listen to your podcast. That being said, I do want to talk about the tennis side of these exhibition events, of what we've seen over the past weekend before it gets out of the minds of everyone, because again, there's so much going on in the world right now of tennis. I want to start quickly with our Cracked Rackets Open. And again, on the back half of this mini-break podcast, you all are going to listen to a conversation I had with Dax Lowry, who is the executive director of the NJTL of Indianapolis, the NJTL, a national organization that uses tennis to provide structure, to provide education, to provide you know uh, services to some who may not otherwise be exposed to the sport, to those who are in need of you know, lower-income uh, areas as as well to provide that sort of outlet for families who need a place, a program like that for their kids. A partnership we are happy to be a part uh, to, an organization I should say, we are happy to partner with here at Cracked Rackets and Dax talks a little bit more about the organization, about how all, any of you listeners, if interested, can get involved. Uh, so I want you all to hear that on the back end of today's podcast. I do also want to say again, a little bit though about the tennis because there were some outstanding performances this past weekend and I think our Cracked Rackets fans will uh, take interest in, take note of, and because they could be significant uh, as we move forward as tennis starts to resume. Uh, The first thing I have to start with probably is our singles champion, the number four seed this weekend, a guy near and dear to our hearts here at Cracked Rackets, not only because his parents are so kind to be Patreon contributors, but because, of course, I was a man of the University of Michigan. It is a team you all are aware of. It's near and dear to my heart. And our winner was the number four seed, the number five singles player for Michigan this past season 
three doubles as well. Senior captain uh, Nick Beattie, who just looked exceptional, folks, this weekend. And again, seeing this sort of high-level tennis up close, it was so nice to be back on the court. I can't stress that enough. And what I think to learn long-term, it has become harder and harder for players to hit a winner. Just these players now are all so physically fit. They can all move so well on hard courts. Everyone knows how to slide. Everyone can throw up that sky lob. And, you know, yes, maybe volleys, overheads, approach shots, not as refined right now amongst the uh, rising player as they once were. But that was a fascinating little detail. Uh, But you know who had no problem finishing points? You know who had no problem playing anything on his terms? Uh, It's Nick Beattie, whose serve, whose forehand, and he's a lefty, folks. It just stood out. They were the two biggest strokes of any player in the event. And Beattie's ability to find a forehand, and again, as a lefty, that means he's running inside out a lot or going inside in, and know that he is going to use that forehand to do damage if he gets a look at it. It's exceptional. And I mean, he just moves around the ball so well. He moves the ball so well around the court. He's so decisive. The moment he gets the ball that he's looking for, he's going to go big with it. He's trying to move forward. Does he get a little cute with his backhand volley? Yeah, he definitely does. And what I like, you know, I thought Lucas Greif in the final, and it was a three-set win, Lucas Greif of Florida, uh, who's a rising junior who plays, you know, five and six for them, 10-7 in the third, BD won that tiebreaker. Uh, Greif was able to flip the match at the end of the second set when he was able to start attacking Nick Beattie's backhand, when he was able to you know, start approaching to that side and moving forward against that side, forcing Nick to hit a defensive pass. Um, but it's really hard to do that against Nick Beattie because of just how explosive that serve, that forehand is. Because the second he gets one forehand, I promise you he's going to get a second forehand. And if you give him more than two forehands in a point, uh, you're very likely to lose that point. And so he played so well. It was, again, it's such a high level to see. And folks, he's coming back to Michigan next year. Connor Johnson's coming back to Michigan next year. Quarterfinalist this weekend, uh, Jacob Bickerstaff, who, by the way, took Lucas Greif to three sets, lost that match 10-8 in the third, and I was on that court. It was a battle. He's coming on to the team next year. And so uh, even off the top of my head, and, you know, you throw in guys like Harrison Brown and Ryan Fu at the bottom of the lineup as well, uh, you know, Patrick Maloney, this Michigan team has nine guys when you throw in Fenty and Seymour and Styler and Johnston and Beatty and Bickersteth and Maloney and then, you know, Fu and Brown. This Michigan team is going to be really good, folks. And so, you know, for me, uh, that's obviously exciting. But that's just not me buttering up. I think if you listen to our podcast this year, you know, despite my fandom, I still had reservations about this Michigan team. I wasn't sure how real all of the success was. Watching Nick Beattie, who was the breakthrough star of this year's Michigan team, as good as Fenty was, as good as Styler was, it was the success Beattie was having at five singles and three doubles that allowed them to win those matches 4-3, to get over the hump, because they essentially had a sure thing at five. Um, It was real, folks, and I think this Michigan team is going to be dangerous come next year. And what I saw from Nick Beattie only uh, confirmed that Lucas Greif, most beautiful tennis game probably in college tennis. We did a Cracked interview with Oliver Crawford. You all can go here on the Cracked interview podcast. You'll be able to hear the one we did with Sam Riffis tomorrow. They both named Lucas Greif their favorite hitting partner. It makes sense. The strokes are beautiful. It's, it reminds me a lot of Miamir Kasmenovic, if that makes sense. It's just so smooth. Everything's perfect depth. It's just, you know, I think there's a threshold for in terms of the sort of pace he can generate personally. But the game is beautiful. And so, 
how this Florida, you know, they got robbed this year. Who's to say they wouldn't have won it? But that this Florida team didn't win a national title indoors or outdoors the past two seasons, it should be one of the biggest what-ifs. It's the Oklahoma City Thunder of the early 2010s of college tennis. That's my take on the matter. Um, other players who are great, Krill. My man, Robert Krill. Krill, 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 which is something, again, if you listen to the crack interview with Crawford, you will understand. He's just a thrill-seeker guy who hits on-the-run uh, lefty stretch shot, who hits if it's a high ball and he's at the net to his backhand side. He's going to hit a lefty overhead. What a competitor. Epitomizes everything you're looking for in a college tennis athlete. Big fan of Robert Krill here on the podcast moving forward. Uh, Millen Hurian, who plays, I believe, 2-3 and three for Kentucky. Incredible three-set win for him. Showed off his physicality against 15-year-old Nishesh Basavaretti. Nishesh, by the way, Orange Bowl champion for the 14s, I believe, Junior Clay's champion. That kid's going to be ridiculous. I know he's got some knee issues, but oh my God, for a 14, 15-year-old to be able to strike the ball the way he does. Someone told me he's the best 15-year-old in the world. I believe it. That guy is just incredible, and he should have won that match against Hurian. It was just the physicality in the end that got the better of him. Um, what else? Real quickly, Presley Thieneman, beast. Uh, Aiden Harris, grinder. Uh, in terms of who am I thinking here? James Hopper, really talented D3 player. I can totally understand why he was the player of the year. Just hits a huge ball uh, that's really impressive. Uh, Ronnie Schneider is Ronnie. Still so fun to watch. But he lost in the quarters to Pat Fletchall, who played outstanding. Uh, the rising junior at Indiana, just so, such gifted hands, such great court feel around the ball, able to go big as well. Uh, he was really fun to watch, and there's a reason he and Presley made the finals in doubles as well. So it was a really fun event, and again, it just shows how many talented players there are around the country right now, and I thought all of you listeners would enjoy hearing that little tidbit. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Let's talk about the pro stuff, though, now as well, because, again, uh, that was where there were some uh, other outstanding exhibition events and some things that start to feel like they're starting to matter. Of course, on the women's side, you know, I think Petra Kvitova continues to look outstanding. I thought it was great to see Karolina Pliskova back in action as well. Two players who certainly, just given their pedigree, given their experience, you think would be more well-suited compared to young players maybe like Osaka and Andrescu and Kennan after a layoff like this to jump right back into the action and be ready to play, be contenders at a hypothetical U.S. Open. Uh, they look great in the Czech Republic as well, and it's been so fun to see all these exhibition events continue to emerge. On the men's side, uh, the Adria Tour. You know, it was an event played on clay this past weekend in Belgrade, and I made a joke about it earlier. It's probably not something to be joking about, but... You know, I, I'm not going to have the conversation at this moment about Djokovic, Zverev, all of them being seen at the club, the lack of social distancing in the crowd, the fact that it felt like such a normal event, the fact that the stadium was packed, the fact that it's recently come out that a professional Serbian basketball player who had been hanging out with Djokovic a bunch in the week lead run-up uh, had tested positive for the coronavirus as of late. You know, all of those things are terrifying, of course, and they're all very relevant, and they're all things that should be discussed. And as I mentioned, they're things I'm going to talk about 
when we have conversations with our guest uh, later on in the week here on the mini break. But in terms of the tennis, man, was it good to see Dominic team on clay again. And folks, Rafa's the favorite. Just, you know, Rafa could not play tennis for three months, show up to Roland Garros, and as long as he hasn't been eating too many Skittles, like you probably think to yourself, oh, yeah, that's the favorite. Uh, but Dominic team's 1A. And with all due respect to Novak Djokovic, who, again, it's an EXO event. Take it with a grain of salt. But this was an EXO event in Serbia. Djokovic had every incentive to go, you know, undefeated, to run the show. It's his event. And he wasn't able to do that. And team was. And, you know, again, it was a different format than they're going to be playing at the French Open. And the second you introduce ad scoring, and the second you introduce three out of five, of course, you know, that sort of physicality favors someone like Novak Djokovic more and more. But Dominic team on clay is a sight. And, you know, Rafa Nadal is clearly the greatest clay court player of all time in the men's game. Uh, But Dominic Thiem is an exceptional talent on clay, and he hasn't accomplished enough yet. And, of course, it's all in the shadow of Nadal, which you have to accept. Um, But it's just a delight to watch his pace, the way he moves, the way his spin rips through the court. It's all exceptional, and he looked exceptional this weekend, and I thought Alex Zverev also looked really good. you got to keep in mind, Zverev was a guy who won the junior uh, French Open. He's a guy with, I believe, two, uh, one or two, certainly two Masters finals, at least one Masters title on the dirt. He's a guy who's made a couple of quarterfinals at the French Open as well. He looked great. You know, Filip Krajinovic, Dusan Lajevic looking great. All that shows is, yeah, you're looking at guys who have the potential to make second weeks. Guess what? Throw them in the hat with everyone else ranked, you know, spots 20 to 45. But, uh, you know, my big takeaway from the Adria Tour is just how freaking good Dominic Team looks. He is a favorite, folks, in every event he enters, whatever the 2020 season schedule looks like. And last but not least, we talk a lot about the UTS format in that Great Shot podcast. So again, I'll save that for there. Um, but I really thought that in terms of for uh, UTS, um, you know, Tsitsipas, looks exceptional on a hard court, fast courts. He's playing, you know, just all of these different things he does, uh, the the confidence he plays with, the fact that he seems to embrace the competitive environment of this format, the fact that, you know, he just moves forward and plays confident, he plays big and he plays to win. He's just a winner. And he has that winner's mentality. And I know that's such an arbitrary, superficial quality. Uh, but you can see, you know it when you see it. If you've watched enough tennis, and I like to think at this point I have, the guy just plays to win. He doesn't play not to lose, which some people accuse my guy Alex Svirov of, and we're not going to do that right now. But, you know, the Greek god, as he's referred to in this tournament, he's played to win, and that's why he's 2-0. and Matteo Berrettini, I tweeted this out. We were having the uh, argument, if the big three don't play the U.S. Open, is Matteo Berrettini a dark horse or a contender. Uh, you know I wouldn't have put the question on Twitter if I wasn't so sure I would be in the minority of the opinion. Last year's semifinals is a contender, folks. I know he was injured to start this year, but that serve, that forehand, his creativity at the net, sneaky good feel as well. Of course, you know, how frequently he slices the backhand, the lack of a confident defensive two-hander uh, is something that you hold against him. But in my opinion, he is a contender. Who was better in 2019? You know, he was a top eight player for a reason. And yeah, it was one of the sketchiest number eight uh, appearances at the World Tour Finals in terms of lack of points in recent memory. Uh, But he was a top 10 player. He won uh, titles on multiple surfaces. Again, that U.S. Open semifinal. You talk about it, that is the second to last major played, and he made a semifinal on it. There's no reason he shouldn't be as confident as maybe anyone outside of Medvedev, Zverev, Tsitsipas, and Dominic Thiem. 
team, if the big three don't play, that thinks he can win the title. And so Matteo Berrettini, whose nickname, I don't know what Berrettini's nickname is in this event. I will try and look that up for all of you now, but I thought he looked really good. And I just think that's something, again, to keep in mind. Let's see, Matteo Berrettini, let's go to that player profile. You are the hammer. And that makes a lot of sense. The hammer has looked exceptional. And then the sniper is the other guy who's 2-0, Alexi Popperin. And we talked about him when we did Next Gen Week here on the mini break. The serve, the forehand, the movement, they're all top 50 skills. And so if you see him move inside the top 50 when tennis resumes, do do not be surprised by that fact at all. I think it's something we should all expect from him because he really has begun to look that good. Oh, you know, the rest of the crew, Benoit Paire, Richard Gasquet, Feliciano, you know what to expect from that at at this point you know the serving and volleying for Dustin Brown in this format things have been a little bit more difficult Luca Pui 0-2 David Goffin you know I don't think in terms of an exhibition series like this David Goffin 0-2 by the way as well I don't think the bad matters. I mean, if someone is truly atrocious, if they show up 15 pounds overweight or whatever it may be, like, sure, that matters. But if you're losing an event where the scoring is this gimmicky, I don't think that matters in terms of your prospects for the 2020, you know, return to tour. I do think if you are winning this event, that should matter. If you look, you know, you're still refined enough to be beating your peers. You passing the eye test where it's not fluff tennis, but it's clear you're executing at at least a 90% capacity. Uh, those sorts of things should matter, right? That the that the good players still look good. That they, ha- you know, that Tsitsipas Berrettini continue to leverage their success from last year into confidence this year. Uh, that to me matters much more than David Goffin going 0-2 in a format that has four quarters timed periods and you know, is on a point-by-point, not game-by-game, set-by-set basis. So that would be my biggest takeaways, I would say, thus far from uh, all all of the action right now in professional tennis. And so, you know, of course, again, if you want to hear more about the direct U.S. Open storylines, you want to hear more about UTS and the format in general, go check out that Great Shot podcast I just did with Gil Gross, uh, where we talk about all those things and more. And it's always so much fun when we have the chance to speak with Gill. Uh, of course, the other reason uh, we are able, the reason we are able to do these podcasts here on the mini break, something I have waited far too long to say on this podcast, and I haven't gotten to say in weeks, uh, because I am still so grateful of the support we get from our friends at Midwest Sports. And all tennis players know about Midwest Sports, because for more than 20 years, they've served as one of the top uh, retail stores in, online retail stores in all of tennis, and it's because they offer a comprehensive selection of fast shipping tennis supplies that few retailers can match. They have one of the largest in-stock inventories of tennis equipment online with tens of thousands of products available for shipping directly from their automated warehouse, the candy land of the tennis universe, to your front door. They value innovation and have personally tailored their products to highlight your skills on the court. Their well-trained staff are also intimately familiar with tennis equipment and can help you find that perfect racket, perfect tennis shoe, or perfect tennis clothing that is sure to put you ahead of the competition. Their selections of equipment are consistently first to market, and they pride themselves in stocking their tennis warehouse with the newest products at the lowest prices. To learn all, more about all of those products, be sure to go to their website, tennis, uh, MidwestSports.com. Once you're there, I promise you, you will want to update your gear because you want to be playing your best tennis now that it's possible in so many different uh, areas for us to make our return to the court. So you're going to go there. 
you're going to see what you like and you're going to want to save even more money. And the way you can't, well, you're not going to want to save, but you can. That's the good news because as great as their prices are, they're offering all of our Cracked Rackets fans 15% off if you use our promo code CR15. Not only will you get that discount, you will also get free two-day shipping on all orders exceeding $75, as well as a free can of Wilson Extra Duty Tennis Balls. Midwest Sports wants to make sure you have everything you need to ensure that you can get back on the tennis court and play your best tennis when you do so. Go to MidwestSports.com, use that promo code CR15 to let them know that we sent you there. All right, with that being said, one more piece of business on today's Mini Break podcast. I want all of you to listen to our conversation that we had with NGT, NJTL, excuse me, Executive Director Dax Lowry, uh, because we here at Cracked Rackets believe that the NJTL is such an excellent cause. We know how exceptional tennis can be, what it can mean to so many people's lives, you know, the sort of structure, the balance, the discipline, the education it can provide uh, if offered as an activity for them. And that, of course, is what the NJTL is doing. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Dax Lowry, Executive Director of the NJTL. Well, as you Crack Rackets fans know, we are so excited for our first ever Crack Rackets Open this weekend in Indianapolis. And beyond the excitement of just getting to see live tennis on the court once again, one of the reasons we are really happy to be hosting this event is that we get to use it to promote some great causes. And joining me today is one of the events for uh, sponsors for our event this weekend. He is the executive director of the National Junior Tennis and Learning of Indianapolis, a nonprofit organization that offers low-cost tennis and education programs for youth ages 5 to 18. Dax Lowry, welcome to the show. Apparently, I need to go through those education programs to learn how to read once again, but it is great to have you here today. (laughs) Thank you so much, Alex. appreciate it. Uh-huh. No, again, seriously, as someone who is a lifelong player of tennis, a lifelong fan of tennis, who understands how empowering the sport of tennis to be uh, to a young adolescent mind, it's obviously how I've got my confidence, my swagger, all came through the stuff I did on the court. Uh, I should be the one thanking you uh, for your tremendous work uh, that you guys are doing. And for our listeners who haven't heard of NJTL of Indianapolis, will you tell them a little bit about it? Yes. So like you said, we're a nonprofit, you know, that we offer tennis and education programs for kids ages five to 18. And our mission basically is to promote education, um, uh, a character, good character and uh, healthy lifestyles through the excellent sport of tennis. And we have year round programming uh, and our biggest program is in the summer. Uh, but we also have an after school program that we're looking to expand to an additional school this fall. And um and like I said, the summer program is uh, is our biggest program. It's five weeks. We had to postpone it a month because of uh, the pandemic, but we're going to start July 6th, five weeks up to August 6th. It's four days a week, and uh, it's the best deal in town. It's only $75 for beginners, $150 for those that are a little bit more advanced that we call level two and three. But, I mean, that's less than $4 a day for tennis, so... And we also have, uh, you know, special uh, scholarships for those who might be hit uh, financially hard. Uh, so they just have to apply and we get them in for as low as whatever they can pay. 
No, that is so awesome to hear because so often you hear one of the barriers for people to enter the sport of tennis, particularly when they're young, are the financial barriers. Yeah. And it's hard to find court time or proper courts, proper <laughs> balls, whatever it may be. And so that's excellent to hear. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe the National Junior Tennis League, a national organization, obviously, given the title, but it dates back to maybe the early 70s. Yeah, uh, Arthur Ashe co-founded the National Junior Tennis League in uh, 1969. And more recently, it was changed to National Junior Tennis and Learning to focus on those educational uh, opportunities that we have. But uh, the local chapter here in Indianapolis was uh, founded in 1973 by Barbara Wynn. And everybody in Indy tennis knows who Barbara Wynn is. (laughs) And uh, she became friends with Ashe through all that. And he came several times to uh, participate in our program. And we've had several, you know, when you said pro tennis tournaments here, we had many pros come and help out with our uh, summer camps through the years. And, um, yep. Yeah, no, and again, the mission statement of the NJTL of Indianapolis, they follows the example set by Arthur Ashe to promote education, good character, and healthy lifestyles to children through the sport of tennis. Uh, for okay. people who are wondering, you know, what does that look like? How does that manifest itself every day uh, at your with your organization? So for our summer program, in addition to teaching tennis, which obviously is more than just tennis, it's about mm-hmm. helping the kids build self-confidence, accept responsibility, improve their mental strength, their social skills, all of that. We also have a few educational elements, such as a reading challenge, where we uh, monitor the number of books that the children read during our summer session, and the top readers get awards. And then we also uh, encourage participation in the uh, national uh, essay contest uh, provided by the USDA Foundation. And uh, last year, we had five regional winners that were honored by USCA Midwest. And a couple of times, we've had national winners who earned a trip to New York City and the U.S. Open. Uh, sadly, it doesn't look like that will happen this year, but it, it's, it's still a great opportunity for the kids to, you know, write what they love about tennis and how it helps in their lives. Yeah, that's so awesome to hear. And you mentioned some of the specific traits, things such as confidence and, uh, you know, learning to be disciplined as well, right? Those are all things tennis can teach to a young mind. Right, definitely. And then we also, speaking on our educational elements, we also have an after-school program. And, you know, for an hour, right after school, we have an education coordinator, which is usually a teacher at that school. And they will help with their homework, with uh, prepping for tests. And then after an hour of that, they'll go back onto the tennis courts with a tennis instructor and, you know, learn all about tennis. Some of these kids, you know, have never even held a racket before, just like in our summer program. So it's always great, you know, when they come up at the end of practice or end of the class, you know, say, look, I can bounce it up five times. Oh, I can't believe the squash coach. Those are my favorite parts. Yeah, no, that sounds so fun. I'm going to have to—I I recently moved to Indianapolis, and obviously I've been here throughout this quarantine period. I got here at the right. beginning of February, and it was like two weeks, and it was like, well, you know, I, I've seen what I need to see. Um, but I know I definitely will have to work my way down there, and I imagine you guys get uh, a number of volunteers coming to help out to teach the tennis to participate in these educational programs. Uh, yes, uh, especially— in addition to our regular summer program, we also partner with neighborhood centers uh, who are having their summer camps, and they bring them out to the parks, usually Tarkenton Park, but we also go to their facilities as well. Uh, 
15 to 20 kids. These kids, have, a lot of them have never played tennis as well. And so, you know, the USDA Midwest staff, they volunteer their time sometimes. We have others as well. Just to kind of help this large group learn all about tennis, how to hold the racket, and all of that. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. And again, you mentioned this summer program. It's starting up this July, you said? Yeah, July 6th. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. That is something I know all of us look forward to being back out on the court again. And, you know, you talk about the educational opportunities you guys mentioned as well. It really is uh, beyond just that, beyond just the tennis. There's also the nutritional aspects, right? You teach uh, your students about uh, living a healthy lifestyle. Yes, we, we partner. We're trying to partner with uh, Jump In for Healthy Kids, and they will help us, you know, the best ways to uh, teach the kids how to eat healthy and how to exercise in a, in a in the right way away from the courts and uh, we're also trying to uh partner with a stem organization for a special field trip so these kids can learn all about you know stem yeah and that's all i believe that's science technology engineering math yes Yes, I, I'm I'm rusty on my acronyms, but that one I still remember. <laughs> yeah. um, and and correct me if I'm wrong, but it's more than a thousand kids a year, right? That come through the NGTL of in, uh, Indianapolis program. Yes, all of total total numbers about a thousand, and for the summer we have six hundred to seven hundred. Um, and and for our after school program, we wanted that to be more focused, so we maxed that out at sixteen kids. Although at the, the new school that we uh, went to this year, there was a waiting list of like 40 more kids. So yeah. we're hoping that that helps them. You know, they wanted to use this also to build a new tennis team for their girls. So hopefully we can be instrumental in doing that as well. No, absolutely. And again, these are all things I think all of our listeners, all of us as tennis fans can learn to appreciate because again, just to grow the sport of the game, to get kids interested in it at a young age, uh, that is so important. But also again, more beyond that, it's the values they can learn through playing tennis and having these sort of educational experiences. And so, you know, I know this is the question that's going to be on all of our listeners' minds as they hear this interview is what can all of us do to help? Oh, well, you can go to uh, our website, njtl.org, and there you can uh, donate your money or your services. You can volunteer your time. Uh, you can uh, register your children for our classes, and um, I think that's the best way. No, absolutely. Are there things, do you get to get on the tennis court frequently yourself? Oh, yeah, for especially for our groups in the summer. I go out there and help, and, you know, like I said, that's when you get some of these kids who've never played tennis and are a little wary, and they don't know what's going on. And by the end, they're having fun with their friends. They're showing off what they can do, and they're eager to come back again. No, I can only imagine. It's this fun sort of competition. Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean, we don't really have competition, except we have match nights during our, the summer program on Thursdays where they can see how they're progressing. But for the most part, we're just trying to teach them the skills that they need to you know, play tennis. Yeah, I, I suppose that was me projecting. I just think, <laughs> I remember, you know, when I was 8, 9, 10, you're competing right. with your friends in line, right? You're taking well, swings. That That's half and, the fun. Yeah, and for our more advanced uh, classes, level 2 and 3, and our most accelerated, the Jack Bradshaw program, they're a little bit more intensive, longer class times, and th- definitely some more competition there. Mm-hmm. And again, you know, for uh, in terms of the level of competition, in terms of the things people are doing on the court, what are the sort of activities, you know, if someone puts their kid through this program that they can expect their kid to be learning, you know, on the court? Just what are the sorts of things you guys are doing? Um, 
we're doing all kinds of things. I mean, we have two of our uh, two of our staffers are college coaches at Marion University. Okay. So they're putting them through the paces of what they do with their college teams, you know, for to a certain extent. And, um, you know, anything to improve their level of play. Yeah. Now, I'm imagining a lot of sprints. Um, no, just kidding. Yeah, no, a lot of, of course, the, the sort of skill, the hand-eye training yeah. that we can all right. expect. If you were to put your own self in a class based on your skill level, are you level one, level two, level three? Well, that's a good question. Wow. <laughs> I mean, I'm a 4-0 player, so okay. I, w- I want to say level three, but I don't know. I can't move as fast as all these young kids. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Again, look, that level of competition, when they see their uh, head teacher getting involved, that's half the fun. You want to beat them. So I'm sure they very much enjoy seeing you on the court as well. And again, uh, you mentioned the Love to Read uh, program that you guys have. The Also, again, the 5210, I believe, Countdown to Health program is the other. And it, it's just so exciting. So again, I would like to say on behalf of all of us at Cracked Rackets, we are so excited to be partnering with you guys this weekend are we gonna get the chance to see you out there oh not me i i, <laughs> I wanted i wanted so desperately to enter that tournament but uh you know there's just no way <laughs> will you come by watch the action that's right definitely gonna come by and watch we'll be there and we'll have our flowers flyers out for our summer program and i can't wait to see you know the pros and these top college players play mm-hmm. no it's going to be so exciting i know uh you know in general i feel like Again, just speaking on all t- behalf of all tennis players, and then I saw this chart the other day that tennis of all of the activities you can do is actually one of the safer ones. Yes, and it's just I like that, that is yeah, and it's just that's exceptional news, right? That that's just so that's that's news uh, that's a great refreshing news to the ears of all of us tennis fans. So again, uh, to be able to use tennis in a program such as this to help so many uh, different young uh, students, young kids in so many coming from so many differing situations, uh, give them a chance to get on the tennis court, give them a chance to go through educational programs as well, just help them both on and off the court. Uh, it's such an admirable cause. So again, on behalf of all of us at Cracked Rackets, thank you for all you and your organization do, Dax. And uh, we look forward to seeing you there this weekend. Excellent. Can't wait for it. Thank yeah. you, Alex. Yep, Dax, take care. Okay. Hope all of you enjoyed my conversation with Dax Lowry. And again, if the NJTL of Indianapolis or whatever NJTL might be closest to your local community, because it is a national organization, is something that interests you, be sure to check out their website. They're doing such excellent work. And again, we all know how empowering tennis uh, can be uh, to the lives of so many. We all know how wonderful of a sport it is. Uh, And of course, we want as many people to have the opportunity to play it, to have it as a part of their lives as as possible. Uh, so be sure to go support our friends if you can. And of course, again, you know, we apologize for the length of today's mini break podcast. Just trying to get all of you listeners caught up because there is so much going on right now in the tennis world. If you want to hear more about the U.S. Open, the UTS Ultimate Tennis Showdown, Patrick Mortaloo's exhibition, go check out the Great Shot podcast I did with Gil Gross already released this week, Cracked Interview Wise. Uh, it's a University of Florida themed podcast on the Cracked Interviews this week because we had Oliver Cross 
Crawford uh, early in the week. We're going to have Sam Riffis tomorrow. Uh, both great interviews, both insight into two guys who obviously top juniors, top college players, and you know, in both of their minds, future professionals. And so to hear, learn more about that mindset, hear about why they've made the decisions they have, uh, I think very insightful, obviously, for all of us tennis fans. So be on the lookout for all of that. And of course, we'll be talking about all of these storylines further here on the Mini Break podcast as well. So like, rate, subscribe, review, share with your friends. Also, be sure to check out our newest podcast, the Inside Out podcast, our narrative-based show. Uh, We know that's a show all of you will enjoy. We also know you will all enjoy our YouTube channel, whether it be CR Classics, Hit and One, Overserved, uh, our video interviews like the ones we've done with Bethany Maddox-Sands and Monica Pui. You don't want to miss any of that content, so be sure to go hit that subscribe button. I know it would make the day of our super producers. And by the way, shout out to both Max Fligner and Daniel Westoff for the of an editing job they do day in, day out. Uh, you know, I, we tried to give them a little bit of a break, I suppose, these past couple of days, but they're still grinding no matter what, and so none of these podcasts would happen without them, so shout out to the both of them. Uh, that'll do it, though, for today's show. If you've missed any of our content, you know the website, CrackedRackets.com. You want the more immediate updates, follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, at Cracked Rackets. You want to message me directly, and I always appreciate when those of you who uh, take the time to do so, it's at Great Shot pod a uh, big shout out as always to our patreon subscribers be on the lookout for that patreon only podcast by the way that mailbag is coming to your patreon uh, subscription accounts i suppose soon uh, so be i don't know the exact nomenclature for what that's called but that podcast will be coming to you soon so thank you for all of your continued support thank you by the way to our friends at aerobar for their support as well if you want to be have that proper nutrition ensure you are in the right place health wise uh, to make your uh, return to the tennis court be sure to go check out aerobar.com. Use our promo code CRACKED15 to get 15% as well. Delicious product, and again, uh, you will be in the right place nutritionally. And by the way, go listen to our Getting to the Point mini-break episodes. This week, we're bringing on Bjorn Fertangelo, uh, but we've had so many great guests already, so I know you listeners will enjoy those podcasts as well. But with all that being said, for my wonderful guest, again, Dax Lowry of the NJTL of Indianapolis, our super producers, Max Flickner, Daniel Westoff, and all our friends at Midwest Sports, by the way, the promo code CR15 and Aerobar, and all of us here at both Cracked Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. My name's Alex Gruskin. You know what we say, folks. That's the break, and we'll see you all tomorrow. Thanks, everyone. 